TGIF, and that does not stand for thank God it's Friday. Thank God I'm forgiven. This is UFC Catholicism, Ultimate Faithful Catholics, and Terry and I yep. are your spiritual fitness trainers. Welcome to today's show. Jesse, I am glad to be here. Anytime I can share the gospel with somebody, that's a good day. Amen. Hey, hey brother, um, we're going to be talking about a great book called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. It's published by Tan. we got the author coming on, and I can't think of a better topic on a to Friday end the week, of Terry. Pardon yeah. me? Yeah, to end the week. What a, to end the no week, better yeah. Topic. Perfect, yeah. Jesse. And so this is going to be a good day. I also wanted to have the good-to-know file. This is exciting for me. The Mississippi governor is signing a bill banning surgical, chemical, uh, gender mutilation of minors. So basically they're saying, hey, the experiment's been out. We know it doesn't work. We're going to make it so it's illegal in Mississippi. What I find interesting about that, a lot of people say, oh, Mississippi, they're a bunch of hillbilly people and they don't know jack. And then you got the people in California and New York and the liberal states who are the ones who are ignorant, okay? That's one. Number two. This, I think they must have heard Fulton Sheen's video about you can't change divine law. Four women opt out of the German Senate away saying it departs from the universal church. Wow, I wish more women, more people would figure that one out. Wow. And Jesse, let's just be honest. The Biden administration is hell-bent on stopping any pro-life work to being done in this country. The DOJ charges eight more pro-life activists with violating the FACE Act. So... This is uh, we're going to go back to court again and again. I imagine until we get him out of the office in two years, less than two years now, um, we're going to have to fight for everything we have when it comes to the light right to life. How about you, Jess? Yeah, Terry, a couple of news items. The museum employee who fired oh, yeah. uh, who, who, who <laughs> was was fired. Excuse yeah, me. Was fi- for ousting the pro-life uh, students. Yeah, that's good news, Terry. I, I like it. Yeah. The push back. Yeah, the National Archives and Records Administration says the security officer responsible for telling the students that they cannot wear pro-life apparel in the museum has been fired. Good, yes. good for them. That's the way, the that's security the right supervisor who instructed the guards to make the visitors remove their pro-life hats, he did so in violation of explicit and long-standing uh, museum policy. Wow. The NARA policy allows museum visitors to wear clothing that expresses their political and religious viewpoints. So that's a win for us, Terry. Sure is. Also, a bill to ban child sex changes. Here's another winner. <laughs> a bill to ban subjecting children to sex change procedures passed in the Tennessee House of Reps Tennessee on too. Thursday. Good. Good. And will go to the desk of Republican Governor Bill Lee. If Lee signs it into law... The bill will ban such procedures as mastectomies on girls and make it illegal to give children cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers. That's another good news, Terry. Jesse, have you noticed those states that are choosing to stop this nonsense about changing sex lives of people, that those are the same states that will not allow abortion? And it's interesting to you Mm. to know that they are Republican uh, states. And, you know, I'm just making the observation because I told I said yesterday about how Governor Newsom's got 25 states that want to join California in unifying their position on killing future citizens. The the lines are drawn very clearly is what I'm saying, Jess. I believe I, I and Terry and and we need good Catholics in those blue states like you. Absolutely. Because you guys are infiltrators. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you you are, and and uh, and you and you gather intel for the rest of us. So we need good Catholics in yeah. those blue states as well. Also, Clo Cole, a detransitioned eighteen-year-old young woman oh, yeah, who was identified as a transgender male as a minor, is suing the permanent medical group Kaiser Foundation Health Plan. How to do it? Her lawsuit is the first of its kind in the United States, alleging medical negligence yep. on the part of the medical providers who subjected Cole to chemical and surgical sex change interventions when she was just a child between the ages of 13 and 16. Boy, oh boy, I hope she wins her lawsuit. And finally, Mm -hmm. the suspect, Carlos Medina, confesses to killing Bishop O'Connell. He's the uh, husband of the the housekeeper. He's admitted to murdering the bishop. So the Los Angeles DA's office said in a press conference on Wednesday, additionally, D.A. Cascone revealed that O'Connell had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Very interesting oh, because out, on day number one, they were saying single gunshot wound to the torso. Yeah. Now the D.A. is saying multiple gunshot wounds. Huh? What else will come out in the next next few days, Terry? Well, it's going to vindicate what you said on the radio, and I just oh, yeah. want to say that... Um, that time, they, you know, it's going to take a little time for it all to come out, but it'll yeah. come out. Yeah, because that's what I said to Voris. Mm-hmm. That was my, with my confidential, reliable yeah. informant told me sure. it was multiple. And now the DA says from a single to multiple a few yeah. days later. Isn't that Very interesting. interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, Jess, before we Yeah, get month to, yeah. of February is the month of, of the Holy Family. So just end your prayers yep. with Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We love you. Save souls. souls. I love that prayer, Jess. Yeah. All right, let's get some. Soul. You taught it to me thirty but, years ago. But I've been saying that. I say it all. And you know what I want to just mention to somebody here, you, our folks, you're like family to me. I share these intimate things. I said to myself, what am I going to do for Lent that I think will be efficacious? What's going to get me closer to Jesus? And you know, Jess, we all want to be on top of everything, all the news. Yeah. So when I'm driving, I got to go pick up my son at the airport. I'm not going to be <laughs> listening to radio. Here, I'm a radio host. Oh, wow. You know what wow. I'm going to be doing? Praying. So wherever I drive, that's good Lenten. And I thought that this is wow, a good discipline good. for me. And I guarantee really? you, after six weeks of this, I'll report back to my family here on the air and tell you what it did for me. All right, mm. let, let's get some soul food in our soul, Jess. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Today's gospel, yep. Matthew chapter nine and following. Yeah. The disciples of John approached Jesus and said, "Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast?" Jesus answered them, can the, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken, taken away from them, and then they will fast. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you Pope Benedict XVI's reflection <laughs> on today's passage. Forget yeah. about what I say. <laughs> he says, quote, Since all of us are weighed down by sin and its consequences... Fasting is proposed to us as an instrument to restore friendship with God. The divine master himself sets the example, answering Satan at the end of the 40 days spent in the desert, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The true fast is thus directed to eating the true food, which is to do the Father's will. And the believer, through fasting, intends to submit himself humbly to God, trusting in his goodness and mercy, Moreover, fasting is a practice that is encountered frequently and recommended by the saints of every age. Fasting 
is the soul of prayer. Mm. Mercy is the lifeblood of fasting. So if you pray, fast. If you fast, show mercy. If you want your petition to be heard, hear your petition, hear the petition of others. If you do not close your ears to others, you open you you open God's ear to yourself. Finally, he says, the faithful practice of fasting contributes to conferring unity to the whole person, body and soul, helping to avoid sin and grow in intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Good commentary, Pope Benedict XVI. Folks, if you get his Jesus of Nazareth speaking a series, from the grave. yeah, just speaking from the grave, we'll be, we'll be quoting him the rest of our life, that's yes. for sure. Yes. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now. <laughs> Jesse, I have not read this quote, and it touched me, because he, he's, Fulton Sheen seems to be speaking from the grave also. He said, the world is in the state of mortal sin. Yeah, that's true. And it needs absolution. <laughs> Vain platitudes and regeneration, the Constitution, the progress are not going to save us, even though we go on shouting them louder and louder. This last statement says it all. We need a new word in our vocabulary, and that word is God. See, Jesse, he knew we were throwing God out of our culture. And when we threw God out of our culture, look what happened. We're killing our future citizens. Our our offspring are being murdered by the millions for the last 50 years because we threw God out. When you throw God out, you're your own God. So guess what? Hey, the idea of killing an unborn baby is not a problem. That's why I say, Jesse, the idea of mutilating our young people. Hey, if we can kill them when they're in the womb, why not mutilate them when they're out? This is a mindset without God. Mm. Your thoughts? Uh, absolutely, Terry. Uh, there's an old saying, I forget, I think G.K. Chesterton, I think he said it. Yeah. Uh, he said, if, if, uh, if you, if you throw God out and if you don't believe in God, then anything goes. You believe in anything. That's G.K. Yeah, Chesterton. Yep, yeah, you I'm nailed just, it. I'm just paraphrasing You it. nailed it. And, and, and Terry, we're living right now in a country, in a society, in a culture yep. where anything Any, goes. But God. <laughs> and, and the reason is why? Because without God, yeah. there's disorder because God is, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, God is the God of order. In fact, you know we, we, what our prayers are called at Holy Mass? If you open up that big fat red book, <laughs> it's called the order of the Mass. That's wow. what they're called, the order of the Mass. Those are what the prayers are called at, 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 in the sacred liturgy. Uh, to, when you take order away, yeah. you bring in disorder and chaos and anarchy, and that's what we're living in right now. Thanks to the woke left, Terry. And Jesse, I think that even affects the cosmos. In other words, everything else. That's what St. Thomas taught in his Summa. So I think that we need to come back to God. And that's what we try to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about coming to God, how the Eucharist can save a civilization. I can't think of a better topic. Topic in the week. (laughs) In the week on the (laughs) source and summit of the Christian life, the Holy Eucharist. Eucharistic revival? Yeah, I'll just be quick. Kneel down when you receive and no communion on the hand and have the priest at ad orientum. I'm sorry, I had to say it, Jess. You know why? Because I feel believe in it so strongly because I think it can help people understand the Mass more. Stay with us, family. Jesse and Terry here. We'll be back in a moment. We're back, Jess. Terry and Jesse's show, UFC Catholicism, Ultimate Faithful Catholics. Uh, 
We're, we're supposed to have That's right. doc, Dr. Jared Stout. Is he on with us, Terry? I don't know yet. I don't see. Not yet. So we're going to. Okay. So let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's sure. an author uh, who just wrote a book, Terry. I think it's a timely book. Oh, like, man. There, there can be no. There, there can be no more important topic than talking about the source and summit of our faith. What gets us to heaven specifically? If you, you know, the, the way a lot of Protestants always say, uh, "Hey, get saved, get saved." That's a typical evangelical Protestant term, right. and, and, it's, and I like that. I yeah. like their zeal. Get saved, get saved. You want to get saved? Yep. Okay. Then, then you got to John six fifty three it. If you want to get exactly. saved, unless, unless you, eat. you eat my body and yep. drink my blood, Amen. you have no life in you. My flesh. Those who good. eat my body yep. and drink my blood, I will raise them up on the last day. Amen. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. That's the way you get saved the Bible exactly. way. I know what Calvary Chapel says in evangelicals, <laughs> get saved, say the sinner's prayer. That's not the, yeah. that's not the way to be saved according to the New Testament. Yeah. If you want to be saved according to the New Testament, according to the words of the Master, our Lord Jesus Christ, he says you get saved by receiving the Eucharist. That's how you get saved. That's why I think this book, it's called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization by Dr. Jared Stout. It's put up by it's put out by ten, and uh, I know that our engineer is trying to get him on Zoom and, right and now. And Jesse, Terry. I might add while we're getting him on Zoom, I might add the church is very clear that uh, we need to have a strong devotion to the Holy Eucharist. We call it the source and summit of the Christian life. Right now, they're trying to the bishops in America are doing a Eucharistic revival, and they're going to be putting on conferences again a Eucharistic revival. Well, this book. I'm sure is going to bring a Eucharistic revival because this book's going to be centering on the saints and what we've always known that has brought devotion and love to the Holy Eucharist. And so I'm excited to talk to the the author about this book because the timing couldn't be better here in America when we are involved in a Eucharistic revival. And the bishops are wanting this, so I'm, I appreciate uh, Jared doing this to get this book out. And Tan Books, you can always trust anything by Tan. Yeah. Any of the books published by Tan are going to be solidly Catholic. Yeah, T- Terry turned me on to Tan Books oh probably like gosh. 40 years ago when I met him, when I was in my mid-20s. Uh, he told me, uh, goes, uh, Jess, there's a, <laughs> there's a publication that, that you never go wrong with. Because I asked him. I reached out to him. I saw yeah. him behind a booth at, at the SCRC conference. And I asked him, sir, after I bought the Life is Worth Living cassette tapes from him, I still remember how much they cost me. At the hundred dollars, it cost me, and I bought them. I said, "I want to, I want to learn the Catholic faith sure. on a deep level. I want to learn true Catholicism." Yeah. And then he also told me, "Get these cassette tapes." And he goes, "Go across the ways to the daughters of Saint Paul." He goes, "Any little booklet that says ten books, he says, buy that young man." Yeah. He says, "You can't go wrong." I think I bought the Holy Name of Jesus book, and oh, yeah, every every little one. every little book that they had. I bought about 40 little books, Terry, and that's what got yeah. me started. Well, you know, Tom Nelson, the founder of, of uh, Tan Books, I knew him when I was in the monastery. We took a ride down to Tan Books in Rockford, Illinois, and we became friends until the passing of his death. But he had wanted me to buy Tan Books that's at one right. time. Do you remember that, Jess? Yes, you, yeah, you told me. Yes, I you can't said, do thinking, everything. I'm, <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already wired in Lighthouse. I'm doing this. I'm doing You're that. Tapped yeah, You're I'm tapped out. Yeah, I'm tapped out. Oh, text okay. phone number. Jess will okay. take care of that. Right. So the bottom line is, Tan Books and myself, I, I have a real big connection. And I know that, uh, you know, the people that bought Tan are going to continue on with Thomas Nelson's uh, vision to get people fired up by reading books. And 
a quote that he always would quote is St. Alphonsus Liguori. He said, only God knows how much good can come from one holy book. And look what a book did for, you know, St. Ignatius of Loyola, reading the lives of the saints when he was convalescing from that cannon that hit him in the kneecap. When he was in bed, he read the lives of the saints. And Jess is another example. He read the lives of the saints as a young man, and it got him fired up. I know lots of people that really got fired up by reading good holy Catholic books. And this book called How the Eucharist Can Save a, a Civilization, uh, you know, what did we say from Bishop Sheen's quote of the day about what we forgot? I mean, think about the book and then what Bishop Sheen said that the world is in the state of mortal sin and it needs absolution. Well, yeah, it needs to get the confession, right? But it needs God in their life. Well, like Jess said, I mean, we have the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in every Catholic church. I just went to visit Jesus in our chapel before Mass, before this radio broadcast, and I just changed the, uh, the candle for the sanctuary candle. It's what an honor that is because that candle signifies when people come in for that funeral tomorrow and for Holy Mass for the weekend, that Jesus Christ is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. I mean, it doesn't get any better. And I remember a Protestant gentleman coming to me and saying, Terry, uh, you guys really believe that's Jesus Christ in the host? I say, absolutely. He says, well, then why aren't your flock? Why don't Catholics act like that's Jesus Christ? I went into a Catholic church, and they nonchalantly walk into the pew. They sit down. They don't. I mean, I notice you genuflect. I get that. But why isn't the flock doing that? And I say, well, there's been a disconnect. Many Catholics don't know the beauty of the treasure we have in the Holy Eucharist. Jesse, are we back with him? What's the latest? I can't hear number. you. Number. I gave Richard the number. Oh, good. Okay, so he'll call yeah. back. Here's my point, Jesse. You've seen this yourself. I've seen you evangelize people on the Holy Eucharist. Many Catholics and many non-Catholics, they have no idea that we have a scriptural basis for our belief in the Holy Eucharist. And Catholics, especially, Jesse, I've gone for many years like you have, up and down the, st the country, and I asked them about what they believe they receive at the Holy Eucharist, and about 90% of them don't believe it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because of lack of catechesis. And a book like this, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, is just what we need. Terry, the... Uh there's so many Protestants yeah. that love Jesus, oh, yeah. but, but they don't know. Mm -hmm. They haven't been told, you, you know, Steve Wood, for example, I think about him, uh, you know. Uh, I think of Steve Ray when he said, why didn't, uh, why didn't you Steve Catholic Ray, tell me Steve about Ray. this? Every convert that I talk to, Terry, they yeah. say not one Catholic oh. ever sat down with me yeah, that's it. and explained John chapter 6. Yeah. Yep. He goes, they go, I would have been here. Uh, Randall Terry told me the same oh, thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. He goes, I, I would have been here decades ago. Yep. Why don't you Catholics say anything? Yeah. Shame on us, Terry. It is. Because Protestants do love Jesus, yeah. and they always talk about the blood of Jesus, but they don't realize that you can actually receive the blood of Jesus wow. in the Eucharist every yeah. Sunday at Mass. Terry, I, I think of the, for example, Tell me. rest in peace, the the... the the, the large Billy Graham Crusades. That, oh, yeah. Remember, they were oh, in the 70s time. and 80s, yes. remember? Yes. And the Billy Graham Choir, there's this one song that they always sang before their altar call. And I want to talk about that a little bit. I know the song you're the saying. So <laughs> the song is called Just As I Am. Yes. Okay? And look at the verse yeah. one. Yeah, look at how Eucharistic it is. Yeah. It goes like this. Just as I am without one plea, yeah. but that thy blood was shed for me. 
and that thou bids me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That sounds Catholic. To Look me, at that. I, Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. Yeah. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. What's the point that I'm making? What a beautiful song. Yes. Terry and thousands of Protestants are in these arenas. They sing about the Lamb of God. Yeah. But guess what? In the Catholic Church, we have the Lamb of God. Yep. It's the Eucharist, the New Testament Passover. Jesus is called the Lamb of God 28 times wow. in the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. And our Protestant brothers, God bless them. I was with a bunch of them yesterday at the, at the Arizona, uh, Arizona March, for March for Life. Yeah. Thousands of Protestants and Catholics were there. The Protestants, they seek to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. But because we as Catholics, as Steve Ray's told me, as, as Steve Woods told me, as uh, Alex Jones has told me, as Randall Terry's told me, yeah. Catholics don't share with them John chapter 6, that we have the Lamb of God in the Eucharist, our New Testament Passover meal, as St. Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. And again, shame on us, Terry. Yeah. This is why we have Virgin Most Powerful Raid and other Amen, outlets brother. like this. Amen. Because with all due respect to my Protestant brothers, they sing about the Lamb of God. Yes. But they're not eating the Lamb of God. Right. And that's what we're called to do. If you want to be a biblical Christian, then you have to do what Jesus Christ said. Don't just sing about his blood. Yeah. We have to eat his body and blood at the Holy Eucharist. And we as Catholics, we've got to step up our game when it comes to evangelizing our Protestant brothers. And you know what, Jesse? Eucharistic miracles that took place for the last you know, 2,000 years, there are, I know in this book, they're going to talk some, about some of the Eucharistic miracles, but even the Lanciano miracle, I saw that twice. I went to Lanciano, Italy, you know, and it was like in the 800s, a priest doubted the the consubstantiation that he, that he had the power to change bread into into the body and blood of Jesus, and it actually took place. The blood is AB blood. Uh, I mean, and you can still go today and 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 adore Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament at that chapel at that Eucharistic shrine. And there's there's shrines like that all over the world that have taken place. And it just seems that when the belief is weak, like we have one in Buenos Aires. So in 1996, another one that took place there. As the as a weakness of Eucharistic piety goes, it seems that God does some miracles to try and regenerate people's devotion to the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And I think that's what this book is going to do, how the, Holy, how the Holy Eucharist can save civilization. I like not just to say, if you notice, I, I added a little bit, Jesse, how the Holy Eucharist, not just the Eucharist, it's yes. holy, brother. Yes. And every time I talk about the Eucharist, I don't want to just holy. say the Eucharist. I would say holy, holy Eucharist. Eucharist. There's nothing holier than the Eucharist. Amen. Amen. Terry, and uh, sometimes a Protestant will say, come on, Terry, yeah. come on, Jess. Get over it. How can you believe that the, that the Holy Eucharist is Jesus? That's impossible. The first thing that I would say is, if you're a biblical Christian, Matthew 19, 26, nothing is impossible for God. That's point number one. Good point. Point number two I would make to a Protestant that would say that it's impossible for this to be Jesus, the Holy Eucharist. I would say, well, if you were alive 2,000 years ago in, in Nazareth, yeah, this is good, in, yeah. in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, yeah. and somebody pointed to you and said, hey, see that 33-year-old Jewish young man, son of Joseph and son of Mary, yeah. that carpenter over there yeah. from Nazareth? Guess what? 
That's Almighty God. What? <laughs> what do the Jews say? Impossible. At least, not, at least 90% of them said, oh, of no way. That's not Yahweh. That's not Yahweh. No way. That's not Elohim. That's not God. That you're, that's a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. Yeah. Well, the Protestants make the same mistake today, Terry. We point and say, see that up there in the altar? That's Jesus Christ of Nazareth right there. Yeah. And it, we call it the Holy Eucharist. Protestants say they miss again the obvious. Yeah. They miss, just like the Jews missed it 2,000 years ago, 90% of them said, that's not God. Protestants are making that same, they have that same Jewish blind spot, Terry. Yeah. They're now saying, that's not Jesus. And guess what? The Jews were wrong and the Protestants are wrong. That is Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. And when we come back, we'll talk more about some apologetics on the Eucharist. And hopefully we'll get our author of the book, How the Holy Eucharist Can Save Catholic Civilization. I always like to say, especially Jesse and I are too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be millionaires because our hope is in Jesus. Stay with us. We're back, Jesse. Hey, brother, let's talk about the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life, brother. My favorite topic. I am. Me too. Let me let me just try to give an example that has helped me, yeah. and I share it with other people. Oh yeah, I've heard you. I've to seen you. to understand to understand transubstantiation. I'm going to make it simple for you, and I think this is going to help you immensely. First of all, let me talk about Christ on Calvary, dying on Calvary on a cross. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus has made the, the, the cross of Christ or the, or the passion of Christ and his death and his resurrection is made present at every mass. So let me give you an example of how this is made present. The crucifixion of our Lord is to history the equivalent of throwing a rock in a, in a quiet or a still pond <laughs> of water. You throw a rock in the water, yeah. there's going to be a kerplunk and then a ripple effect on the water all the way to the shore. That's like the Catholic Mass. The Catholic Mass is the ripple effect that comes from what? Calvary. Calvary went kerplunk. The ripples of Calvary is the Catholic Mass. That's how you and I come in contact with Christ on Calvary. The blood of Jesus flows through time and into eternity through the Mass. Exactly. Calvary... Is like a power socket. It's like a power outlet. At mass, the priest plugs into Calvary. And so the power source, which makes Calvary's effects present to us here and now, mm-hmm. is the Catholic mass. Amen. So I heard this years ago from Carl Keating. He said, when you walk out of Holy Mass, you're not walking out of West Covina or Phoenix, Arizona. You're walking down the slopes of Calvary in Jerusalem. Amen. Because the Jesus of Calvary 2,000 years ago and the Jesus in the Holy Eucharist is one in the same. Why? Right. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, something interesting about blood. What, what, what's this whole fascination with blood? This is very Old Testament. In Leviticus 17.13... The Bible says, quote, since the life of every living being 
is its blood. Yep. I, the Lord, have told the Israelites, you shall not partake of the blood of any meat, since the life of every living body is its blood. Anyone who partakes of it shall be cut off. Close quote. So, the Jewish understanding, right in the Bible, I just read it to you. For the Jews, the blood was the principle of life. Mm-hmm. It was sacred. Yep. So, to eat the blood would mean that you have now taken on the life of what you ate. And that, and that life now lives in you. This is why they were prohibited from, from uh, drinking the blood of animals. Because they believed that that blood of an animal would now come into you, the life of that animal. And of course, you don't want to be a pig or a cow or anything else. So with this understanding, the faithful Jews, of course, they don't want to take the life of an animal. But for us as Catholic Christians, we do want to take on the life of Jesus, the Lamb of God. That's why Christ mandated for us to eat his body and drink his blood. Because for the Jews, to eat the blood means you take on the life of that being. Of course, you don't want to take on the life of a cow. You don't want to take on the life of a pig. But we do want to take on the life of Christ. Amen. And so this is why the Our Father has special meaning for us. Give us this day our daily bread. The fathers of the church that interpret the daily bread it's a reference to the Holy Eucharist. Epiousion in Greek means super essential bread. The fathers of the church tell us that the super essential bread that Christ was talking about in the Our Father, that prayer, is the Holy Eucharist. Now, let me go into transubstantiation. I think you're going to find this fascinating. Yeah, this is good, Jess. I've heard yeah. it so many times. This, yeah, this is, is going to be, you'll, you'll like this, okay? I love it. A lot of us find it hard to explain yes. the, uh, the real presence of. Yes. Of Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist to our kids, to our friends. In other words, to explain transubstantiation, which means, that word means transfer of substance. The substance of A Mm -hmm. now becomes the substance of B. Transfer of substance. So let me explain to you it this way. Mm -hmm. So think about you go into a laboratory and there's a door with a warning sign that says, warning, keep out, radioactive room. If I walk in the radioactive room and then walk out, I will look the same, talk the same, feel the same. But unbeknownst to the naked eye, I've been radically changed. Every molecule in my body has been charged with radioactivity. You can't tell by sight or sound or touch that I've changed. You can only tell with a Geiger counter. That's a device for measuring radioactivity by counting or detecting ionizing particles in your body. So when the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood, the accidents or externals of the sacred species still looks and feels the same, but its substance, its essence has changed radically. You can only discern this with the Geiger counter of faith. These objects, for example, that you're you're sitting on right now, they look like chairs. In essence, they're atoms made of protons, neutrons, and electrons traveling at the speed of light, which corporately form a chair. 
but you can, you and I can only see the external, the end result, which is the chair. But we cannot see the essence. In the Holy Eucharist, it's the same thing. We can only see the externals, not the essence. Right. The Holy Eucharist is not a what, it's a who. And we can answer what is the Eucharist by answering who it is. It's Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The great angelic doctor, St. Thomas of Aquinas, most people don't realize, he did his theology on his knees before the tabernacle. (laughs) This is how he wrote his monumental work on the Holy Eucharist in the Summa Theologica. And he also wrote a lot of the beautiful hymns to the Blessed Sacrament. Eucharistic. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. a a lot of the proper parts of the Mass and the office Mm -hmm. or the official prayers. Mm -hmm. And all the the prayers that are also written for the Feast of Corpus Christi were written by the angelic doctor on his knees before the tabernacle. So this this uh, the angelic doctor, he used to go to Christ in the Blessed Sacrament when he whenever he had a special problem. And on his deathbed, he made a profession of faith which should be recorded whenever the Blessed Sacrament is discussed. Here's what he said, quote, If in this world there be any knowledge of this mystery keener than that of faith, I wish now to affirm that I believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ in this sacrament, truly God and truly man, the Son of God, the Son of the Virgin Mary, this I believe and hold for true and certain, close quote. Wow. That was the theology, the profession of St. Thomas Aquinas. And that statement would form the church's Eucharistic theology for the rest of eternity. As he spoke about miracles, Mm -hmm. St. Thomas also said, quote, For those who believe, no explanation is necessary. (laughs) For those who do not believe, no explanation is possible. This is true for the Holy Eucharist. The body, blood, soul, and divinity on every altar in the church and in the world. When it comes to the mystery of the Eucharist, people want to know how, how, Catholics, how? Give us the physics. Yeah. When it comes to the mysteries of God, we try to reason through our intelligence, though we cannot intelligently comprehend everything. Let's just admit that, Mm. especially the divine. Think about this. Think about this fact. The Library of Congress has over 70 million books. How many books of these have you read? Not even 1%, right? So if we don't know anything, if we don't know everything about the natural world, because that's impossible, much less are we going to comprehend the mind of God or everything about the supernatural book or, or the supernatural world. So Jesus didn't tell us the mechanics. He didn't tell us how the Holy Eucharist happens. He tells us why it happens for our eternal salvation. So the belief in the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist is not so much with the head, it's with the heart, and it's with the faith of a child. I remember a priest told me that 40 years ago during the, the great Corpus Christi processions in French, in, in French Canada, people would see the, the processions in the city streets, they would take off their hats and fall on their knees and sing praises to God. And he said one year, as everyone was falling on their knees, except one man who remained standing, (laughs) defiant. And this young boy who saw this with pity 
this 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 man who didn't know that this was his god right here right now passing before him so this young boy that witnessed this at that moment he said i want to be a catholic priest to teach people like that man who's standing up about the real presence wow. of jesus christ in the eucharist and that man who remains standing it reminds me of modern man in general who's totally unaware that our god is here present now in the Holy Eucharist in every Catholic church. In the natural world, presence stamps out fear. At night, a crying child is calmed by mommy who says, don't worry, I'm here. Well, guess what? Jesus is telling us from every tabernacle, be not afraid. I am with you always until the end of time. Hey, family, Beautiful, Jesse. God's not playing hide and seek. Yeah. God's not playing peekaboo with us. No, he's here and now in the Holy Eucharist. Well said. And when we come back, Father Don Calloway, everybody knows, remember uh, the Playboy priest who became a Catholic? He had infused knowledge about the Holy Eucharist. And I want to share what happened to him. Just last month, I was with him and he told a group of about 800 people in a packed church what happened when he went to Catholic Mass and how he understood the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We're talking about a book called How the Holy Eucharist Can Save Christian Civilization, uh, Civilization Itself, 10 books. Go pick up that book. We'll come back with more about how Father John Calloway came to know Jesus in the Eucharist. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. You heard what Jesse said. I had to knock off some push-ups, Jesse, because I got excited. <laughs> no, man, when you talk about the Holy Eucharist, and if we only understood it, it should get us so excited that we have, I can't wait. I'm receiving Holy Communion. I'm going to go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, Good stuff, Jess. I have my wife, Mary Danielle, next to me here in the next studio because the Bible with the Barbers is up next. We went to go hear Don, Father Don Calloway in January last month. Mary Danielle. Hi, Mary. Thank you. Hi, Jesse. <laughs> and, and Mary Danielle, Father Don Calloway talked about what happened, and it ties into this show that's dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. What did Father Don share with us and how the Holy Eucharist touched him as a convert to the Catholic faith? Well, he wasn't even a convert yet. He was um, he had just come to the realization that there was a God and that, yeah. that that Catholic faith was not a cult. And he had a, he had a conversion experience. So he went to the military base, which was near where his parents lived. And he said, I got to talk to a Catholic priest. The priest had to celebrate mass. So he said, well, go sit in the back of the chapel and I'll talk to you after mass. <laughs> he talked to him a little bit before mass. And then and so father went and he stood. He's in the back of the chapel and. So he's not understanding what's going on there, but he's he's watching the priest and the priest does the readings and then he comes to the Eucharistic prayer and and he hears these words. He, the priest takes the bread in his hands and he says, this is my body. Mm -hmm. Don Calloway, young man, is sitting in the back of the chapel <laughs> going, what? And then the priest elevates the host. Yeah. And he's looking at it and he hears the word worship. Wow. Mm. And he was given to understand in that moment. Infused knowledge. This is God. Wow. And he mm. said, I fell down on my face. Yeah. And and then the priest again says these words over the chalice. This is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, 
which will be shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And the priest raises the chalice, and again, Father Calloway heard the word worship. (laughs) And he fell on his face, and he understood. That priest just acted in the person of Christ to take bread and wine and change the substance of the bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's Jesus Christ himself who acted in through that priest by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's no longer bread and wine. That's Jesus Christ. And then he watched the people who were at Mass go up and receive. And he just was filled with this hunger and this longing. And it was, oh, and it was in, this is what's called infused knowledge. He understood. Mm-hmm. But what if we catechized people? What if people understood when yep. they went to Mass? What's happening? Yeah. We should be worshiping. Well, that's, Mary, thank you for sharing that because that fired me up. And all 800 people were in the church were just like, wow. And here we are, cradle Catholics. We get this given to us, and we don't appreciate that great treasure of the Holy Eucharist. And what Jesse just shared, Mary, about devotion to the Holy Eucharist and how, you know, the, the real presence, it, it seems like we should be doing this often because we are talking now about our Eucharistic revival. Jess, um, your thoughts about Father Don Calloway, because he's a good friend of both of ours, uh, his story of how he came to, to believe in the real presence and then his priesthood. And look what the man has done to share his belief in the real presence and Our Lady. It's, just, it's quite a miracle. Yeah, I know his parents. His parents go to my parish, and mm-hmm. I, I was told by his parents that he's, by the way, he's learning the Latin Mass. <laughs> oh, I bet he is. Yeah, yeah, he wants, uh, he's, uh, a, a, a lot of priests that I noticed, Terry, are, a lot of priests are learning the Latin Mass. Sure. Uh, because, again, it, it's it's part of the Latin rite. It's, it's it's part of the two forms or two rites within the Latin rite. Sure. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just good to see. You know, people, yes. there's, we, they, we can't have enough. We want more. We want more reverence. We want more holiness. And Father Don Calloway, he's been, uh, he's been a, uh, oh. a, a mighty weapon in the hands of oh God ever God. since he came into the Catholic Church. And we need thousands of Father Calloways. Uh, do I just want to mention another thing about talking about the real presence. And yeah. I, want th- I, want to thank, I want to thank your wife publicly because... <laughs> Your wife answers so many questions that come into VMPR, <laughs> all the theology and apologetics questions. Yeah. A lot of them, she handles the lion's share. She'll, she'll send me some. Of course she uh, will. <laughs> so I, I, I do some as well, but I want to just publicly say, yeah. boy, oh boy, she takes a lot off of my plate because she, <laughs> she handles the lion's share of questions coming in. Good. And so uh, uh, I think we make a pretty good team. And everybody else that answers questions, but I think the lion's share goes to her, uh, Betty, and myself. Yeah. And I, I want to I want to both thank Absolutely. those women publicly, my sisters in Christ, because they they, they just uh, they do so much for VMPR. Terry, mm-hmm. a lot of especially young people. So I'm gonna, I'm going to appeal to young people right okay. now. They've all watched this series on on television. It's called The Flash. Okay, so there's a series, you know, like Spider Man yeah. and all these other, you know. So there's a a series called Flash: The Avenger. And all of us know, of course, if you ever watched one episode or read a comic book of Flash, he's the fastest man in the world. Nobody's faster than him. Okay, I think I think he he runs sixteen times around the world in one second. So that's pretty fast. Okay. <laughs> so, and here's the point that I'm making. So people are, they, you know, they wear Flash costumes, and especially during Halloween and at parties. And he, this is just fiction. Okay, this is phony. This is not yeah. real. But it's entertaining. I get it. It's entertaining. Here's the point that I'm making. 
At Holy Mass, when the priest says the words of consecration, Calvary is made present. So just follow me. Calvary is made present. Okay. So what happened 2,000 years ago in some supernatural way is now brought to West Covina, Covina, uh, Phoenix, uh, Los Angeles, San Fernando. Now, how some people say, well, how can the past become present? Well, to young people, I explain to them this way. I say, okay, you know, Flash, Flash is real fast. Yeah, 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 Mr. Romer, he's real fast. I said, okay, God is faster than the Flash. <laughs> so the, the series shows when you watch the Flash, the Flash is so fast, he could go back in time because he runs that fast. He can go back in time and change the past. So if the Flash, which is fiction... If he can run so fast and go back in time and change time or, 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 or make time present, God is faster than the flash. So that means that God can go back in time as well. And actually, theologically, all time is present before God right now. That's how fast he is. That's right. All time is present before God right now. So the past, the present, and the future, God is so fast that all of those past, present, and future, are an eternal now before God who's outside of time. So, at Holy Mass, God makes the past event of Calvary, the Last Supper, present in the altar of every Catholic Mass. That is why the best position for the layperson is really sacred silence. Mm -hmm. The ringing of the bells alert us of this great miracle. The past is made present. Sacred music is the only appropriate thing at this time because at Mass, we stand at the foot of the cross with Our Lady, with St. Mary Magdalene, with St. John the Apostle. And I don't know about you, if you were with Our Lady and St. John and Mary Magdalene 2,000 years ago, what do you think you would be doing? playing with a tambourine, clapping your hands, raising your hands over your head. No, I think all of us would be standing there in sacred silence, Terry. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I love Fulton Sheen's Life is Worth Living series that you started out with when I first met you, and he covers that, uh, that we are present at that one eternal sacrifice. So when people say the Mass is boring, boring, no, we're present at Calvary, who Jesus Christ is there. Every Mass we go to, if we concentrate on that when we walk into church, we won't be bored because we know that it's through the blood of Christ that we are redeemed. And I love what Father Ken Roberts said years ago, Jesse, back in the 80s to me. He said, hey, you know what a video recorder is? Yeah, it records the, uh, the, the 16th Super Bowl game. Yeah. did uh, When you saw it over on your video, did they play it over again? No. Were you present at the game again? Yeah, because I watched it again. Well, Christ is crucified once, right? But we are present at that one eternal sacrifice. So the analogy of the video recording is an analogy that says it wasn't played over again. You were just present at that. So every Mass we go to, we're present at Calvary. When we think about that, that should knock us off our, off our chair and say, let me get down on my knees and thank Jesus for that gift of the Eucharist. And that's why, Terry, the Protestants kind of understand this in one of their songs. I think it's a Protestant song. I'm not sure. Yeah. It goes, were you there when they crucified my Lord? I'm not oh, yeah. sure. I'll, I'll look sing. it up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who, who played it, but it's, it, it's a song that really captures 
the theology, the yep. essence of the mass? Because the answer is, when the song says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know what the answer is? Yes. Exactly. I was there. When you go to mass, you can You're say, there. yes, I'm here at Calvary. Wow, Jesse. Mary Danielle, I want to let you tell the folks the Bible with the barbers, what we're talking about, so that those who want to stay on, they can get our, our app by going to vmpr.org, downloading the app. What are you speaking about today, my love? We're going to talk about the necessity to pray always, and I'm connecting pray without this ceasing. with Lent. Yeah, This is Lent. We're preparing for entering into the passion of our Lord. You know, Bishop Sheen said, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. Right. Without the suffering, there is no glory. Mm. And so Christ's suffering is so beautiful. Just as a side, somebody a year ago gave our little grandson this little egg. And yeah. on the outside, there's this olive branch. And yes. on the inside, there's a, the next egg has a picture of the temple. And, yes. and it goes on and on. And, it, and it's Holy Week. And, and we've been catechizing our grandson. And he's, <laughs> he's loving it. I mean, he's just, he, he, loves he, it. he can't get enough of it. I he's know. Like, Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And it just, it, the whole reality of Holy <laughs> Week, but what it means. And in the end, when you get to the very last egg, it's a gray egg, like a tomb. And when you open it, there's nothing inside. And he says, Jesus mm-hmm. isn't there. Jesus died. But he's going <laughs> to resurrect, Grandpa. Yeah. So, and it just, but, but that's the, but are we prepared yeah. to rise with our Lord if Amen. we haven't suffered with him? So we want to talk about Thank praying you. always. Well, we're going to be able to do that, folks. If you stay on, get the uh, app, the free app, vmpr.org. Download, you can download the app and you'll get all of our shows. Jesse, the final thoughts about the Holy Eucharist, I, I keep saying it. If only we were taught this, the church would be a different church today because so many people don't know this gift of the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, that's why a lot of the titles that the church fathers gave the Holy Eucharist, like the medicine of immortality, oh, yeah. the antidote against sin, yes. food for the journey. It says it all. Yeah, it does. Those titles say everything you need to know about the Holy Eucharist. And remember, our Bible says in John 6, if you do not eat of my body, wow, and, and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. Jesse, what state should we be living in, brother? Last time I checked, we should be living in a state of sanctifying grace. Last time I checked, we should not live in a state of mortal sin. We should, especially during this Lent, yes. become holy or die trying. Remember Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. What a great day, Friday of Lent. Take a sacrifice and offer it to God for a sinner, for yourself, for your family members. That's what Our Lady said. Let's implement the Fatima message today and every day. Thanks again for joining us. And up next, The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you and your family.